So today as we gather and we share the Christmas story, even though this story happened 2,000 years ago, it is known as the greatest story ever told. We all know this story by heart, but in many ways, because of the way that it is presented in the Gospels, sometimes it's hard for us to see all the different parts and how they all fit together. And so today I'm just going to simply let the the Word of God speak, and uh, I'll share a very, very brief thought at the very end, and then our kids are going to have a time where they sing, and uh, that will be extra special. About 730 B.C., the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And to those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. These words were promised and spoken about 700 years before they were fulfilled. This reminds us at all times that sometimes when we think that God has forgotten a promise and that God has forgotten a person like you or me, it is not true. He has not. As a matter of fact, there were about 400 silent years between the book of Malachi and the events that happened in Luke chapter 1. But right when we thought that God had forgotten his promise and that God had forgotten his people, a light was born into the world. And this is how it happened. In the time of Herod the king in Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. But once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were preparing uh, and praying outside. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. For he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the fathers of the children. Uh, turned their hearts back as well and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And when his time of service was completed, Zechariah returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month of pregnancy. For no word that the Lord speaks will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And then at that time, Mary got ready, hurried down to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. But when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all the generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. And while Jesus' mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph was faithful to the law and didn't want to put to her, her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But when Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, for that thing which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. And in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own place. And Joseph also went to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, where he lived, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting her firstborn child. And while they were there, the time came for that baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn. He was a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known unto us. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod the king, there were magi who came from the east, wise men, who came and said to Herod, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we have come that we might worship him. And when Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was disturbed along with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked where the Messiah was supposed to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among the least of the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, please report it to me so that I also may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that had risen in the east ahead of them went there until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were rejoicing with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is known as the greatest story ever told. And part of what makes it so beautiful in so many ways is because it includes us all. Whether we are humble and lowly or well-educated, uh, you know, like the shepherds, like the wise men, whatever it might be, we are included. We are a part of this story, figuratively speaking. And the beautiful thing is, is that this is the greatest story ever told because it's just this unlikely gift of God that includes unlikely people in an unlikely setting. And yet it is the thing that provides for our salvation. And it is a beautiful story. And the thing that keeps coming back up is that ultimately... This little baby is destined to be king. Even in Isaiah, it says, uh, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He is the everlasting father. 
He is the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, and all these things, but He is everlasting. The beautiful thing about His story is the baby born in the most humble circumstances we now know is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who would imagine Him as the King? And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through his prophets, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as the angel had told them it would be. The angels returned to heaven after their grand announcement of Jesus' birth. And then many years later, Mary and Joseph, being human, also left this world. But the reason that this is the greatest story that's ever been told is because there is one character of this story that remains with us today. We celebrate Jesus' birth because He is still alive and He is in our hearts and He is in our world and still at work in all the things that are going on in our world. This is why we celebrate Him. This is why the story is the greatest one ever told. That God wrote Himself into history stepped out of heaven and stepped onto our soil, came and met us on our turf and on our terms so that we might know who he was and he might be there to experience all that we have experienced. He is truly Emmanuel, God with us. So we're going to do it a little different this year. And what I would like to do is have one representative from each and every household come and light a candle here at this front table we don't necessarily have a candle for each person but each family does have a candle and if you are alone please come if you are one of the two decide who is coming just send someone as a representative of your house and come and take a candle and light it from the Christ child's candle and then return to your seats, if you would, please. And now is your time, if you would come, please. And I don't know if you heard it in the story that I read. Sometimes we read the scriptures and there's a little bit of something missed whenever you don't see the cultural norms that are being kind of changed or shifted. In our culture, most of the time, the person responsible for naming a child is the mom. Sometimes the father uh, does that. Sometimes the father has input on that. 
But let's be honest, the ladies, y'all have the last word most of the time in our, in our uh, modern society here, right? Suddenly the ladies want to be on my side. I like this. In that ancient culture, it's very paternalistic. I don't even have to tell you that. There are very, very few women who are even listed in Jesus' genealogy. It's a powerful study to go back and look at those five women, though. But I will say, in that society, it was always the man. It was the father who named their child. It was predictive. It was prophetic in its nature. They would name a child for their ancestors and their relatives and find a place in their family for him or her by the name that they chose. But did you notice when, when Zechariah had an angel come, the angel said to him, and you will name him John. And did you notice that when the angel came and also visited Joseph, he said, and you should take Mary because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and then you are going to name him what? Jesus. Here is a powerful thing. We often talk about the submission of Mary and we talk about her willingness to follow God's lead even when she did not understand these two men show us that this is not purely a Mary phenomenon. This is a Zachariah and Joseph phenomenon. It is a phenomenon of all of those stars of the story that we just told. It's almost as if Zachariah and Joseph give to God that thing which says, I am the man of this house. And instead they say, you, God, have the final say not only over my house but also over the life of my child you guys with me and here is what I would say we are walking in a great darkness in our world it's not just about our modern society it's about the pandemic it's about a lot of different things but I ask you to come and light the light light the candle not every single person in here lit a candle today. And in some ways, it's very specific that I wanted you, whoever chose to come, to be reminded that you, like these two men, have a choice. God says, I have a plan for your life. I have a plan for the people that are in your life. Will you submit to that plan or will you say, no, 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 that's my job, I have the final say. But can we be very clear about something? The last line of Silent Night says, Jesus, what? Lord at thy birth. Not Jesus, advisor at your birth. Big difference between being the Lord and being the advisor, isn't it? And what was happening in this story when the angel came to Zechariah, he said, I'm not here to give you a suggestion. You need to name this child John. And he said, I will. And do you remember the rest of the story? Maybe you've read in Luke. And you remember that somebody said, no, you can't name him John. There's nobody in your relatives that are named John. You can't name this boy John. 
And he gets a writing tablet because God has struck him dumb where he's not able to say anything. And he writes down the words, his name is John. And he writes down those words. And at that moment, the man who has been unable to speak for months has his tongue loosed and he praises God and everybody steps back and goes, wow, what is going on here? This man has something strange and wonderful and God's fingerprints are on it. The same with Joseph. He makes the decision, it's not my choice. This is not even what I would choose for myself if I could, but since God put me on this path, I will follow it and I will submit to his will and not try to make it mine. You see, for most of us in our world today, we look at Jesus as the advisor at his birth not Jesus Lord at his birth but can I tell you something if we believe that that candle is lit because he is still alive then I'm telling you he's still Lord and if he is still Lord then we still have the choice to make whether or not we make him an advisor or we fall down with the wise men and declare him to be king And each and every one of us makes the choice. But here's what's crazy. We've been talking all of this time about the light of the world. And I'm here to tell you that the more and more that we lay down ourselves and submit to his lordship, the more we become a light in the deep darkness of our world. I encourage you, That you and I, if we are to take up the spirit of the Christmas story, if we are to embody the Christmas story, we have to say, it's not about my rights. It is about what is right. And what is right is following Jesus, who is Lord from his birth. Following God's plan for my life and not my own plan for my life. And the more we do, the more light shines in our little circles, in our larger context in our areas and neighborhoods, in our districts and cities, in our states and in our nations and on and on and on. But the problem for us is is that most of us, we don't want to take the light of the world. We want to look like the world. Instead, we need to say, this little light shines so dramatically in such a dark night and I will fulfill What God has told me that I am to do, I will follow his plan and not my own. And so I encourage you, if you know that there is darkness in your own life, in the life of the people that you care most about, the people that you alone might have a word to say into their darkness, into the areas around your life, even in the people who know the light and yet are walking in a time or a season of great darkness. Here's what I would say. Light shines in the darkness. It's a comment. It is an observation. It is also an obligation for us. If he is Lord, then we need to let him be our light. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, 
we know that the more we give over to you, the more joyful we become, the more joy we experience, and the more our light shines. Lord, it dispels the darkness because you are the light of the world. May we all make these decisions today for you to be King of kings, Lord of lords, and Lord at thy birth. And so we give ourselves to you for your plan to be accomplished in and through us. And Lord, especially at Christmas time, we celebrate that you came and we celebrate your Lordship. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, Amen. Can we stand as we sing our last song? Lord God, the world that he gave is the only thing that could ever believe in him. Never not perish with him. I think I've got to text him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his favor and have mercy on you. And may the Lord watch over you and give you his peace. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, let's hear it for these kids. Let's give them a hand. I got my eye on that one. He's coming for my job, and I can feel it. And I don't even blame y'all for going that way. I, I get it. I get it. Thank you, buddy. So good. Thank you. And, uh, and how old is EJ? Three. He is three years old and already knows and can recite John 3.16. EJ, great job, buddy. You did good. Thank you so much to our teachers and uh, parents. Make sure and have your kids here and be involved in the things that are going on in the back. They're learning things that I, I still remember scriptures that I learned when I was their age. Don't miss this opportunity. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for being here and being a part of things today. We've got about 10 minutes before the uh, silent auction closes. And so you've got a few minutes to get in your last minute bids and a uh, few opportunities still yet to be a blessing to those kids uh, down at the orphanage in Mexico. Grab a few grab bags. We hope that we will see you tonight as we have our great Christmas party that we always have, the white elephant game that we play. It's just a ton of fun. You won't want to miss it. And it wouldn't be the same if you're not here. So we encourage you to be here and be a part of things as we celebrate. And uh, let's give our worship team a hand. Can we give our worship team a hand? Thank you guys so much. As always, you guys do a fantastic job, and we appreciate you so much. All right. Well, thank you for being a part of things. And if I don't see you or talk to you before Christmas, I just want to take a minute on behalf of Shelly and myself. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We love you guys. We are honored to be your pastor and, uh, and first lady, and I appreciate the opportunity. I never take it for granted, and I appreciate that. And uh, I know it's been a long couple of years but seeing your faces back here with us on this special day has just really made my day. So thanks so much for being here and being a part of things. And uh, I guess we need to end the way that we always end, right? So we've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. Love you guys. May God bless you. You're dismissed. Merry Christmas.